Greetings, good people. My name is Derek Brown, and I'm a stand-up storyteller. I fuse spoken word, rap, traditional oration, public speaking, teaching, and singing into messages of hope, healing, and change. Now today, I'm only going to talk and teach. I return to the classroom to teach high school math in November 2019. Now I had spent the several years previous to that at home helping to take care of our now seven-year-old daughter. While I was at home, I also did a lot of writing, producing, and stand-up storytelling. It was kind of like a sabbatical. During that time, I wrote a little series that I call The Cisse Show. The Cisse Show is a short monologue designed to introduce each of my classes that share stories powered by real-world math situations. Now, sometimes the math is subtle, just analysis, and at other times it's more overt. The show's goal, though, is to help students become good at seeing that's not just visualizing, that's knowing what you're looking at. Saying, that's not just talking, that's knowing what you're talking about. And then showing, that's being able to see and say to other people. Now we want students to excel in reading, writing, and counting so that they can lead, create, and think. Now, being able to see, say, and show kind of helps students transition, make that leap from reading, writing, and counting to leading, creating, and thinking. This year, our school issued a daily mandate to spend the first 10 minutes of every class building effective relationships with our students, reaching them before we try to teach them. That is presented a wonderful opportunity. Today, I want to share a recently recorded episode. Now, let me take a minute and set it up. I teach my math classes in a building that used to be an annex to the former segregated high school for Cobb County Blacks. It used to be called Lemon Street High School. In a few weeks, our program will move into the newly renovated segregated elementary school that's across the street from our present location. Interest in the legacy of these Lemon Street schools is at an all-time high, please believe. This has presented another wonderful opportunity. I've been able to interview several graduates and teachers from the Lemon Street schools. Now, I've also been able to share their stories with my current students. You're about to see me share a story about the first black city councilman in our little town. His name was Hugh Grogan. He was a graduate of the Lemon Street High School and how a lawsuit brought against the city helped to facilitate his election. Now, I'm using this quiz bowl game show stick to engage the students. So without further ado, let's roll the clip. Action.
All right, Winfrey, make your selection. Lemon Street Booth 5. All right. Oh, okay, Hugh Grogan. Hugh Grogan served as a Marietta City Councilman from 1978 to 1982. He wasn't a lawyer, but he understood the law, understood it very well. In Grogan versus Hunter, a case that he was involved in, he forced the city of Marietta to comply with the 1965 Voting Rights Act and create a majority-minority voting ward. Now, can you tell me what a voting ward is? Mm. Is it maybe the place, like the area where people vote? Not quite. Now, those are the polls. Mm. Yeah, now a ward is a district. It's a geographic district comprised of uh. boundaries like streets, creeks, rivers, rocks, and houses that say, okay, everybody who lives within this boundary, you will vote in ward number two. Everybody in this boundary, you vote in ward number six. Your city, the city of Marietta, is comprised of seven voting wards and once upon a time they were all majority majority meaning there was mm -hmm. a majority of white voters in each ward and yeah. in this case grogan versus hunter a lawsuit was filed that said hey we have to create a majority minority voting ward according to this law that i read and understand even though i am not a lawyer and right. Mr. Grogan prevailed in his case. And I think that case might have been settled in the mid 70s, maybe around 1975 or so. Mm -hmm. Don't quote me there. But then soon after, he became a city councilman. So he enacted a change in the laws that then became favorable to his cause of getting elected. Mm -hmm. Now, anytime you see a move like that happen, there's a lot that has happened behind the scenes. Anytime you see a move like that with one person's name on it, there are lots of other people involved besides the person whose name is on it. Hmm. Mr. Grogan's name was on the lawsuit for mm -hmm. several reasons. Now, I will, I will talk about a couple of them to you. Mr. Grogan okay. worked very closely with some other city leaders in Marietta, a lot of whom mm -hmm. went to Lemon Street High School, almost all of whom were gainfully employed. What does that mean? That means they had your traditional nine to five careers. Mm -hmm. They were employed at places like the post office. Right. And when you bring action against the status quo, against the powers that be, against leaders, you can almost always expect some sort of response. Now being euphemistic there, the word I intend to use is retaliation. There will be retaliation against mm -hmm. you. And the simplest retaliation for a person who is gainfully employed is for them to no longer be gainfully employed. Right. So when the group 
that wanted to make this move decided to make the move, they had to have the move led by someone who would be hard to fire. Right. Mr. Grogan, who was very smart cookie, very smart cookie, worked as mm -hmm. a consultant, which means he was self-employed and mm -hmm. he worked as a consultant at what I'm going to call a <clears throat> data processing arena. This might have been like the precursor to computer type work. He was in a field called data processing, analyzing and dissecting numbers and figures and extracting information from it. That's, that's what he did. So as mm -hmm. a self-employed person, he didn't have just one boss. He probably had lots of bosses and his bosses were called clients. Right. So if he is the name in the face of this action being brought against the city, it's kind of hard to cut off all of his supply, all of his economic advantages, because right. you may not know where all of them are. Person who is gainfully employed, you call their boss, or you might be their boss, and you say, okay, I don't think we will need your services anymore. Right. Now, understand how that works? Hey, now, I hope y'all enjoyed that half as much as I did. Sometimes what you just saw, that's all there is. We spent about five minutes chopping it up, getting to know each other a little better, dropping a little knowledge, then we move on. But then sometimes the students engage well enough to take us down some useful rabbit trails. So I'm always prepared to go deeper if they want to go deeper. So in this next clip, I actually took the opportunity to explain seeing, saying, and showing as the next learning challenge after reading, writing, and counting. Let's check it out. Action. Another thing I want to lift up here is that as a non-lawyer who understood the law, I want you to understand that Mr. Grogan's skill set was a powerful one, and it was powerful in its simplicity. I think he was very good at reading, writing, and mm -hmm. counting. Right. Which, once upon a time, were skills that we emphasize in school. Well, we still do, but we used to emphasize them and call them that. I want you to be able to read, write, and count. That's what I want you to be able to do. Now, those skills translate to some higher order skills that I call seeing, saying, and showing. I want to talk to you about all of that. Let's go through that whole continuum. Let's go read, write, count, see, say, show. To read, to read is to be able to interpret and understand organized thought. That's what reading is. And I was able to read and had read lots of things before I was ever given cause to pause and say, well, what exactly is reading? If I'm a brother from another planet and I'm trying to describe reading to somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's interpreting and understanding organized thought. That's what that's what reading is. So writing is recording organized thought. You can record your own organized thought. You can record someone else's organized thought. But when you're able to record organized thought, that's that's what writing is. Now, right. count, counting 
is being able to read and write using numbers, shapes, patterns, data. It's being able to read and write using any of those objects and artifacts. So reading, writing, counting, all focuses on organizing thought, recording the organizing thought, being able to interpret the thought. And once you gain those skills and gain some mastery of them, then the next order of thinking is to be able to see, say, and show. Now, when you can see, Winfrey, yep. you can look at something and know what you're looking at. Right. That's what it means to be able to see. It's not, right. it's not just to see a giraffe. It's to know mm -hmm. that that giraffe is about to stick his neck through the open window on your bus and ask you for right. a snack. That's, that's being able right. to see. Mm -hmm. Right. Now, saying, well, that's simply knowing what you're talking about. Right. Writing is organized thought. Now, speaking, Winfrey, that's organized noise, organized sound. Mm -hmm. But in both, when you, when you can say, you know what mm -hmm. you're talking about. Right. Now, when you are able to show, that means you can demonstrate what you see and say to other people. Right. Now, when you have the gumption to file a lawsuit, you better had you better had proficiently been able to read, write, count, see, say, and show about whatever it is you're bringing this case around, and you better right. make that case and you better make it well because the city right. has its own lawyers, and they're going to tell those lawyers, "Hey, go and handle this for me, and make sure." Right that nothing comes of it. Now, Mr. Grogan won the lawsuit, because I'm sure Mr. Grogan did the research to get himself a skilled attorney as well. But he right. also had to do the research to understand that the case that he wanted to bring had some merit, and it had some oomph, some muscle, and some teeth that he would need in order to be successful. Now, just as you and I might have been introduced to reading through mm -hmm. picture books. I was big on reading about Disney characters and stuff like that. There are other things that you learn how to read that are important, like newspapers and, mm -hmm. and, and other forms of mass mm -hmm. media. Then you get a little older, you learn how to read contracts, which are written in very detailed, technical, and flowery language. Sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes to intentionally cloud and mislead and keep you from figuring out what is being said. You also have to learn how to read maps. Now, in a situation like this, where you are analyzing the voting wards in a city and you're making the case that the wards are not drawn in a way that will enfranchise minority voters, you've got to know those wards very well and you've got to be able to challenge based on the geography i was talking about a little while ago the streets and the houses you've got to be able to make that case based on actual information so in the 1970s i imagine it might have been a little difficult to even get your hands on a map that showed you the voting wards now in this day 
we got to follow another rabbit trail. This one's all about seeing. Let's check it out. All right, tell me what you see there. Mm, three dots. What do those three dots make you think of? Uh, a bowling ball. Okay, all right, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I thought Mickey Mouse, like upside down Mickey Mouse. Mickey Mouse standing on his head. Uh... Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, this is a mathematical symbol. That means, mm. it means therefore. Oh. Yeah, T-H-E-R-E-F-O-R-E. -E. Therefore kind of indicates that I'm about to make a conclusion based on some evidence. Okay. All right, so that is what the symbol means in the world of math and logic. Now, I am from the world of Southern wisdom. So when mm -hmm. that, that symbol was introduced to me by my grandfather, and my grandfather explained, hey, you keep studying math, you're going to see this used in a lot of math classes, but now I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unlearn, I'm going to have you unlearn and relearn what that symbol means. So I said, okay, well, what does it, what does it mean to you? And he says, well, to me, it means anytime you read anything, whether it's the newspaper, a contract, a manifesto, or a map. I want you to always identify the things that you understand, but also identify the things you don't understand and ask yourself, what is that there for? He says, don't look at that as about to draw my conclusion Look at that as, no, I'm about to do my homework and dig in and understand. And if you are able to discipline yourself that way, no one will ever be able to okie-dokie. Right. So I say to my grandfather, what is the okie-dokie? He says, well, that's when people try to flim-flam you. I said, okay, granddaddy, what is flim-flamming? He said, okay, son, that just means someone is intentionally trying to deceive you. They're trying to take advantage of what you know and what you don't know. But if you mm -hmm. can discipline yourself to say, what is that there for? You will never be fooled easily. So I said, okay, all right, I can work with that. And those words have proven to be true many times in my life. I've never read that in a book. And... I think I've had the good fortune to never read it in a book. It was told to me by an ancestor that I trusted. Right. That that I can take that to the bank. That's better than seeing it in a book. Right. All right. I hope y'all enjoyed that all. Thanks for taking this little journey with me. In closing, I want to reach out and say that we publish our work at reachedandteach.com and would love to hear from you. Please reach out via email or via phone. We've got our email address and phone number right over there. Y'all take care now. Peace.